Today, we are talking about the topic that everybody wants to know. Can franchisees get rich buying a franchise? Coming up next. Arguably, now more than ever, there is this giant pile of franchise candidates roaming the World Wide Web, trying to figure out what franchise opportunity makes sense for them. The franchisee tends to be risk adverse, uh, so they're waiting for a moment. Could that moment be a stock market crash? Could it be getting laid off or the prospect of getting laid off from their job? Something will trigger them, but this pool of candidates is getting thicker and thicker by the minute. Now, one question that they're going to have as they're doing their homework and research on the category is very simple. Can I get rich? And whether they want to admit it or not, majority of franchise buyers are thinking about the financial impact. Call it the 1% that might be saying, I'm in this for the passion. Fantastic. But majority are thinking about this for financial wealth building. So the question, Charles, that we kick off with is can I get rich as a franchisee? And the answer is yes, if, if you select the right franchise, right? Um, and, and for those franchisees out there or people looking to buy a franchise, and then on the other side, franchisors looking to attract them, um, like you said, Nick, the passion could be there, but you can't help other people unless you're helping yourself, you're making money then you could help your team members, you're helping your family. So you can get rich. I'd say the vast majority of franchisees are not going to become rich because of a franchise. And Nick, how would we frame rich in terms of, I think it's more like building a legacy, building those renewable assets, having an asset you transfer you to children, no? That's in your opinion. Okay. To others, it might be, I'm going to go buy the car I want. I'm going to buy the house I want. I want the suit that I want. I want the watch that I want. I want the lifestyle. So the definition of rich is going to be dependent on the individual making their own definition of what is rich to them. Some may say, I want to buy a better breakfast franchise because rich to me is the lifestyle of being able to coach my kids in the afternoon yet still being a restaurant operator. That's not financial based, that is all like heart based and happiness based. So rich is a term that is gonna be dependent on the individual. So if we're giving future franchisees a framework, right? Can I get rich buying this franchise? Some of my notes or at least checklist items along the way that you're gonna be evaluating and this is just an overview, item 19, right? The financial performance representations. Item 20 of the FDD, which is how many outlets have opened, how many have closed, how many have been reacquired by the franchisor, transferred to other franchisees. If you're looking at individual unit versus multi-unit, the management team, is it just the original founder? Is there a team there built to help you scale? Franchisee validation. And then I guess industry, right? Are you looking service-based, you know, with operating territories? Or are you looking retail with brick and mortar? Yeah, I would, I would back you up a little bit because at the beginning stages of can I get rich as a franchisee, uh, they don't know what an FDD is. So the beginning stages are what is my access, what is my current access to capital 
And what brand could I potentially invest that capital into that I'm confident can increase the value of what my portfolio is? So when they're at the beginning stages, you're, you're basically qualifying by, by based on what you can afford. Now, when you get to the step of saying, here's the category that I like, um, and you've looked at the competitive landscape, what brands exist in this category? Now you should start looking at questions before you're even at the FDD standpoint and before you're even inquiring about, can I even own this brand? I would be recommending you look at the, the depth of the brand and the territory that you're wanting to, to buy in. So if your definition of rich has some financial component attached to it, which again, like I would argue majority are or will, um, then you got to understand that the only way, unless you're, unless you're super lucky, the only way you're going to build wealth with a franchise is through multi-unit ownership. So if you're looking in that territory and the franchisor says, we got one or two units left in this marketplace, you're going to, if you're, if you want to become wealthy with that brand, you're going to have to probably buy outside of your core territory where you're going to live in order to build that wealth. And if you're comfortable with that, then stick with that brand. If you're not, continue to evaluate the competitive landscape and maybe land into a competitor brand that seems to fit the category well, so that now you've identified, I have the opportunity to build wealth or get rich. Now, when you inquire, now when you review the FDD, now you start going through those checklist items. But before I even get to the starting line, if building wealth is what you're trying to go for, you need to evaluate that brand before you even inquire so you don't waste your time in that process as well. Yeah, I love that, Nick. Um, and that was a good step back, right? So um, in your three-step framework, right, what's your available capital and access to capital? Two, what are the franchise opportunities in that space, right, for your capital range? And then three, I'll call it brand unit economics, right? which um, you're getting into multi-unit ownership. So, so let, let's, as we navigate through this, right? You're a franchise buyer. You want to get rich buying a franchise. Your point is well taken. Everyone's definition of rich is a little different. Is it lifestyle focused? Is it legacy building? I love that. Now we're gonna evaluate what our capital is. So assume we fall into a capital range. I have X dollars. Um, I'm working with a great broker, great finance company. There's SBA loans. So you have a form of capital now. Um, you're evaluating the opportunities. And now I don't think you need millions of dollars of capital to become rich. You just need the right franchise opportunity, right? You can invest millions of dollars in a brand, a brick and mortar retail location. If it doesn't do well, you're not becoming rich, right? So let's get into unit economics. Is that... So for the franchise buyers, you're getting the FDD. What are the tools and assets you have to evaluate the brand economics here? Yeah, we've talked about this before. I mean, in my, in my opinion, item 19 is just a starting point because the reality and the question that I would want to know, if I'm buying a franchise brand, what does the top 10% make? That's what I'm, I'm focused on because I'm not getting into a brand to half-ass it. I'm getting into a brand because I want to crush it. And if you don't have that mentality going into this and you're just there to, to operate the, you know, the, the wheel as it exists, 
Are you going to be able to build wealth? Maybe, but you're, where you're going to get lucky then is in real estate selection or, or market possibility um, or the marketing plan that you put together. You're, you're banking more on luck. So I think when you're when you're evaluating these opportunities, you also have to evaluate your own hustle and grit. How much energy are you going to put into these things too? Because you should be fighting to get to the top. Now, when you're looking at that item 19, it's going to give you a glimpse, but understand that's also a marketing tool for the franchisor. So they, there are many franchisors that don't disclose every part of this, which is where the due diligence becomes essential so that you can ask franchisees, are you a wealth builder? Are you a lifestyle creator? What are you in this for? What does the next 10 years look like? Have you thought about an exit? Like you start asking the right questions in due diligence, it will help frame the right picture around item 19 because item 19 is a very singular flat viewpoint as controlled by the franchisor. Yeah. So franchise buyers and, and, and rightfully so on, on the franchise seller end, if a franchisor has a good item 19 or what appears to be a good item 19, that is going to be their featured selling point. Your point to franchise buyers is that that item 19 data is static historical data, right? Um, you're, you know, we've talked about, and your, your point is you want to aspire to the top 10%, but also let's look at the FDD and let's look for some clues because it could be people that are in the bottom 10% have devoted the right capital are working hard. There could just be something that's not working in their market with unit economics. I, I would say if, if you're evaluating the item 19, you like where, what the top 10% look like in terms of historical data. Nick, what do you think about the importance of item 20 and anyone out there? Item 20 is where a franchisor discloses, you know, how many units have opened in the past couple of years, how many have closed, how many have been reacquired by the franchisor, a topic Nick loves, how many have been sold, right, to another franchisee. I think you have to look at item 19 and item 20 together. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's complex because the reality if you said, could I, could I out hustle all of your franchisees with the ego that I have? Yeah. Bring it on. Give me, give me brand X. I'll go out hustle everybody. I'm going to be number one in the system. Now that's my mentality getting into it. So if that mentality is not there, then a closure doesn't tell the complete story. Because you, you got to understand, there's so many different components to franchising, and I think that's what adds so many complex layers to it, is on the valuation or uh, evaluation standpoint, on the entry point, if a franchisor is pressured to sell, they may be saying yes to individuals that aren't going to have the right hunger, grit, or hustle to perform positively in the brand. So when you look at item 20, the story doesn't tell the whole story. It could still be a good brand. It might have not had the right operators. So there's so much to evaluate in this process. But in my opinion, a lot of that groundwork has to be done before you even get to, to step one. And if you're using a franchise broker, I would say love the inventory that you've given me as it aligns with my financial possibilities and what I've asked for out of an item 19 or item 20, what I'm looking for. Um, what brand should I be looking at that you don't represent? Ask that question to the broker and see how they respond. If they come back and say, look, we, this is not in our inventory, but I really like this brand, put it in the mix. Don't just follow the, don't follow the guidance of 
perceived experts. Like you got to look inside and you got to do your homework to make the right decision here, especially if the question on the front end is, can I get rich as a franchisee? Well, and let's stay with the rich part, right? We both agree, I think, that in the majority of instances, you're not going to become rich by opening up one individual location or providing service to one individual service territory. You agree with that, Nick? Sure, yeah. Right? I mean, so so at, at least a basic premise should be that multi-unit development, multi-territory development within the right franchise system is that key to unlocking that rich factor. Yeah? Yes, but it also deteriorates your ability to invest on the front end because if you need two units, the costs go up. Therefore, if you're if you have $250,000 in investable assets, which arguably should be able to get you a million dollar brand. What Charles said at the beginning of this, if that million dollar brand fails, you're out. You go down a level and say, let's take the insight that multi-unit operations is the way that I build wealth. And you go and buy an investment that's $333,000 and you get three of those operating, you can still have a dog in your portfolio and build wealth. But I think that's where like, make sure you're qualifying the way that you're entering the system properly based on the financials that you have with the insight that Charles just gave that you're gonna have to get to multi-unit operations to win. Now, if you're just scraping enough to get into the brand and you really believe in it and you're ready to hustle for it, then your next step is to say, how quickly can I leverage my SBA loan into unit two? How do I pay off my debt and move into unit two as quickly as possible? Which then your mindset is not, how do I get rich today? It's how do I get rich in three years? So there's there's so many different components that have to go into this to figure out how are you even gonna get to the, the stage of winning? Well, and, and then the winning stage is, it's okay to know you need multi-units, right? It doesn't mean you need to buy multiple unit opportunities right out of the gate. Just means if, like you said, Nick, if your capital is limited, make sure that capital creates a successful business in your first location. Don't dilute your capital and buy a three pack, a five pack, a 10 pack of franchise locations or opportunities. If your capital is limited, keep that capital, build out an outstanding, um, franchise location or territory, and then focus on your incremental growth. And nine out of 10 times, I don't even care if it's a super fast growing franchise. I still think that's the right advice. And if you're going to lose out on this great opportunity, then lose out on it because you really need to make sure the singular business you're opening is the one that's going to succeed. So if you have the capital, maybe you buy multiple opportunities. If you don't make sure, because most franchisees fail, most fail because they have inadequate capital. That's it. And right? totally. inadequate capital. I stop the marketing. I slow down the marketing. My sales aren't good. Franchisor says I have to spend more, more on marketing, but I don't have the revenue. So capital is, is key. So let's assume we're going to make the right decisions, whether or not multi-unit, individual unit. Really, when you're looking at this item 19, this get rich factor, for me is ultimately you've done cover what's the EBITDA potential? What's the cash flow potential that if you do everything right, you get into that top 10%, is it 
one, two, three, five years for me to get into top 10%. If I do, what's the cash flow it's going to kick off? Because if a franchisor is only reporting gross sales, that's great, but it doesn't tell you what you're bringing home. So you really need to be, I think it's a mission, find a good opportunity, right? Find what fits for you, but you have to be looking at cash flow. I think, I think there's a big asset in the comments you just said, and you also have to evaluate time. Time is not often disclosed as much as it should, in my opinion, in item 19. There are some times that they'll say, you know, businesses that have been open two years or more, but there's a big question there on time. If you're, if you're going into the uh, owning a franchise, wanting to build wealth, whatever your definition is, and you look at item 19 and it says the top 10% does a million dollars. Let's just say EBITDA is in there too. Let's say the top top 10% takes home $200,000 a year. The question isn't, the, the question clearly isn't about, can I do that? Because you're going in thinking that you can. It's how much time will it take me to get to that point? Because then you got to start thinking through operating capital. How long is it going to take you to get to break even? How long is it going to take you to making money? How long is it going to take you to making the money that you expect? How long is it going to take you to be able to financially responsibly open up your next location? There's more questions that should be asked that I don't think the franchise community does a great job at answering as a, as a whole, that it's up to you as a franchisee to ask in the process, especially if you're, if the question that you're starting with, can I get rich with this brand? You better ask the right questions to figure out if you can or not. Nick, I love that point. Um, Cause it is overlooked. People look at the item 19 you know, chances are you're looking at company-owned outlets, you're looking at high-performing franchisees, and you're discounting, you know, that year one and two when business kind of sucked, right? And then the money that had to come out of the bank to make payroll and to keep things going. And sure, cash flow looks great in future years, um, but you definitely need to evaluate that time horizon. Nick, I, one thing that I think franchise buyers really need to gear into I view service-based franchise opportunities as very different from brick and mortar, whether it's retail, restaurant. I mean, I think if I look at a restaurant, I'm looking at an established uh, brand. And if I'm looking at an established brick and mortar retail brand, I feel like there's more safety in those than a service-based. But I feel like there's, if you have lower capital, I think service-based could be a... Um, less risk and more potential upside. Yeah, I I understand uh, what you're saying because of the sexy factor. Like that's my that's my building. I own that thing. Right. But the truth is in a market, I mean watch watch the news and watch the news whether this is today in 2021 or this is today in 2025. What are they saying about access to labor? Because when you build or buy a bigger business, the labor component creates some challenges. Uh, and if you can't hire, then you go backwards and say, as a service business, you get to be the hustler. Now you got to want to do that. Uh, and that's part of your, your own personal discovery. Are you willing to shake hands and kiss babies in a non-COVID world? And if the answer is no, 
And then that will start framing what business you want to go into. As a service business, um, you know, you can really, you can build wealth probably faster uh, without as much capital, uh, with more more value put against grit and hustle. So um, does a service, and again, I, I don't think this is correct, but I'm, I'm asking, so is a service-based business more often than not more in line with income replacement, whereas a brick and mortar is more in line with potential legacy building? I think it's built on the on the on the person. I think step one is always income replacement. Even if you're buying a million dollar business, let's say you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and you're buying a, a brick and mortar business that costs a million and a half. I mean, your step one is how do I get back to to zero where I was making as much as I was in my job? So I think that that ends up being an important check mark for for most people because majority, especially on the first first entry into franchising, they're, they're leaving a career behind. So income replacement is, is important. That's a check box that needs to be hit. Um, now, when you're wealth building and you're past that moment, then it doesn't matter anymore. Now, now you're, you're, you have some sort of understanding of what type of dollars will be kicked off of the franchise that you bought. So you know how much it's going to cost you to build it out. You know your labor model. You're able to leverage uh, existing operational platforms that you put in place. Therefore, you have a little bit more predictability every time you open up another one, how much money are you going to make? So all of a sudden you own 20 locations that kick off $25,000 a year. Now you're making, you're kicking off a half a million dollars cash. Plus you built up the asset of owning 20 locations. That is something that you can eventually sell or exit at somewhere in the range of a three to a three and a half multiple. That's wealth building. But so at the beginning stages, yeah, uh, you're, I, I think for everybody, I mean, if I, if I quit my job today and said, I'm going to go be a franchisee, my first thing that I'm going to want to figure out is how do I get back to net zero of what I was making annual, but now I'm my own boss. Right. And so as we're putting this all together, Nick, right. And I think this is the right framework. Franchise buyers are going to be working very frequently with franchise brokers. Um, they'll also be working with uh, salespeople within the franchise organization. I happen to think there's some very sophisticated franchise brokers out there. So all of these points in terms of, you know, return on capital, cash flow, good brokers care about this information. And these are things you should be uh, challenging or, you know, working over, you know, evaluating with them. Okay. And, and I would ask the question to the broker when you're deciding what broker makes sense for you. Say how many of your franchisees that you place are in the top twenty percent of the franchises that they're in. Let them tell you the story. If they don't have, if they fumble on the answer, well, I don't know. I, I don't have the answer. Might not be the best broker for you. Like cha challenge it back. The the broker due diligence is just as important as the franchise or due diligence. Find the right person that you're going to trust. It's going to help guide you to the right business and do it. Do your due diligence because they're getting a fat payment when you go buy that brand. So do your due diligence on the, on the broker and make sure that they know how to place successful franchise owners too, if this is important to you. Now, there are plenty of franchisees that are getting into this that don't have the big dreams. They're doing it because they don't want to work for someone else anymore. And that's, that's wealth to them. That's rich. That's becoming rich in their mindset that I, I no longer have a boss. So understand this is, not, this is not every franchisee, but these are the ones for the ones that want to build wealth. Uh, it will matter. There are franchisees that get into this basically because, you know, they, they don't want to work for someone else anymore.
This is good. So if if we were framing this up, right, just to package this at the end, I, I think it comes down to what's your available capital and access to capital. And that's something you should be discussing with your franchise broker also. Um, what opportunities fall in that range for your capital? And then what are the the franchise brand unit economics? What What's the economic potential there? Dive deeper into these topics, but this is this is the start to building that wealth.